We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back another episode of candlestick chronicles the 49ers podcast on the blue wire network my name is chris biederman i cover the 49ers for the sacramento b with me you know who it is it's kyle madsen of NinersWire.com of the usa today sports media group and he's also a midday producer over at 95.7 the game in san francisco kyle what is happening i haven't eaten dinner yet so i'm a Oof. little hangry Oof. and so i think i think my takes are going to be extra hot today because (laughs) like I'm just angry enough to say stuff I wouldn't normally say okay a little bit of spice to the to the mix I like it I just uh wolf down a little a little uh I guess it's a Thai style wrap from Whole Foods no it sounds great yeah it uh it it hit the spot because I was in the same boat that's why I asked you to wait for a few minutes before we recorded this yeah I uh, wrote a post and did some work while I was waiting and I didn't eat, and now I'm eyeing my cat's dry food, and it's starting to look really good. Well, that would be really good content if you just wolf some of that down. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sort of scarfing cat food mid-pod. <laughs> uh, we are going to preview Sunday's game, Sunday's 49ers game against the Atlanta Falcons at Levi's Stadium. But first, a little bit of news this week. Uh, the 49ers are putting a lot of dudes on injured reserve. They've they've put three on there so far. We knew about Weston Richburg after he tore his patellar tendon in uh, in New Orleans. Marquise Goodwin 
wide receiver has since gone on IR on Tuesday. He's dealing with toe and knee injuries, and it's a it's kind of a strange situation with Goodwin because he just sort of popped up on the injury report last Friday while we were in Florida, uh, and he hadn't been listed previously. And so Goodwin's had a few different things going on. He missed a game with, with due to personal issues. He was a healthy scratch when he got back. Uh, ever since the 49ers got Emmanuel Sanders, it feels like Goodwin has, has sort of been phased out. I think he's the, his last catch he had was he just had one for five yards in that uh, the second Cardinals game at home the 49ers had last month. So uh, not a big loss just from a pure production standpoint. And it could be that since Goodwin has a $5 million cap hit for next season and none of it is guaranteed, it, it could be that Goodwin has played his last game with the 49ers. So we'll have to see how that all shakes out. Tight end Garrett Selleck, another guy who hasn't played a whole lot, uh, is gone on, has gone on IR as of Thursday because of uh, a recurring back issue. He had back surgery in the offseason that led to him beginning the season on the physically unable to perform list, also known as PUP. Uh, but Selleck's back just really never got better, and I think it's going to be the type of injury that lingers with him really going forward beyond his football career. So uh, you hope ultimately it doesn't impact him too much just from a, a life perspective. Selleck's a really nice guy, a really well-liked person in the locker room. And an eight-year veteran who's been, you know, him and Joe Staley are really the only 49ers who have been around uh, since the Jim Harbaugh era. So Selleck goes on IR. The team promoted Daniel Helm, an undrafted rookie from Duke who played tight end and fullback in training camp. He's on the active roster now as a fourth tight end. And uh, Kyle Shanahan said on KNBR radio today, Kyle, I know that's that's uh, your competitor, so feel free to slam them if you want. But Wait, sorry, what would you say? I didn't hear that. <laughs> um, Kyle Shanahan said on, on a radio hit today on an, uh, an unidentified AM station that it's likely nose tackle DJ Jones is going to end up on injured reserve after suffering a high ankle sprain Sunday in New Orleans. And that's notable because Jones sprained his other ankle. We don't know which ankle is the one that's ultimately landing him on IR, but we do know he has sprained both of his ankles in the last two games. And the most recent one is the most significant. And it's all but likely that, that it's going to end his season, which is a pretty significant loss for a few reasons. Jones is good. He's been having a really good season. Um, and also he's really the only true nose tackle on the roster. So given the fact that the 49ers are, are suddenly hit with depth issues along the defensive line. Um, it, it could be problematic going forward a little bit because you don't want to tax DeForest Buckner and, and Eric Armstead too much by playing nose tackle. Solomon Thomas is far from a natural nose tackle, particularly in running downs. Julian Taylor is somebody who's probably the 49ers' top backup at nose tackle, but he's hurt and is unlikely to play Sunday. And then you have Sheldon Day, uh, who, who's probably the most likely guy to get playing time at nose tackle. Sheldon Day is kind of a mixed bag. There are times where he, he looks really good. He's probably a better pass rusher than run defender. Um, but hes I don't think he's nearly as good as DJ Jones, particularly the way Jones has been playing this year. So pretty significant loss and a pretty significant week just in terms of, of numbers on the back end of the roster. If there's good news, and, and we're going to talk about some of the other injuries a little bit later, is that um, with the exception of Richburg, none of these guys are every down starters. So, you know, maybe the, the 49ers won't feel their absences all that much, but they are nicked up going into this week against the Falcons, and, and that's something we're going to talk about. 
Daniel Helm was my like hot take is going to sneak onto the roster guy okay. <laughs> because he played fullback and kind of a more move tight end role in, mm-hmm. in the preseason. Mm-hmm. And I'm really interested to see, maybe he won't even be active, but if he is, I'm interested to see how they, how they decide to, to use him if he is active and if he plays. So uh, I, I'm, I'm with you though in terms of the guys who went on IR. Richburg is obviously a huge loss, but the DJ Jones loss, I know he wasn't playing like 50% of the snaps or anything crazy like that, but he was just so valuable in the middle and he just he made plays. He had a huge sack against the Seahawks and Russell Wilson. He forced a fumble by Alvin Kamara last week. Uh, just put his hand on the ball and and got it out. That's that's gonna be his production isn't isn't gonna probably jump off the box score in terms of what's missing, but three, four, or five plays a game. Uh, there were three or four or five plays a game that he was making that if they don't make those plays, he could swing games. So they're gonna need to figure that out uh, and and do so quickly because that defensive line rotation is getting awfully thin and missing his production, I think is going to hurt. Yeah, he's. I'm actually looking at his snap counts right now. He's played more than I thought he has since uh, the eighth game of the season or week eight against Carolina. He's played 39 snaps, which is 57%, 27 snaps, 48%, um, eight snaps, just 11% against the Seahawks. I think he got hurt in that game. Uh, mm-hmm. And then they, against the Packers, 47%. 51% against the Ravens and 46% over the weekend in New Orleans. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely a piece, a significant piece of the def- defensive line rotation. And it's also worth pointing out that I, I think he's good enough against the run to where one of the one of the things he does really well is play the run when you're in sub package. It's not just like DJ Jones can only play in base. He can play in nickel and provide a little bit of, of beef on the inside to take up space when teams do try to spread you out and run the ball. So it is going to be interesting to see how the 49ers go about replacing him. Like I said, it's probably going to be Sheldon Day, but the 49ers are going to mix and match. They haven't exactly revealed their plans uh, for competitive advantage reasons or whatever coaches do during the week when guys get hurt. But um, yeah, it is a significant loss. So let's go to previewing Sunday's game against the Atlanta Falcons. And, uh, we, we talked a lot about the Saints game in, in the earlier podcast this week. So if you didn't listen to that, go back in, in the feed and, and check that one out. We tried to hit everything we possibly could in that pod, but there was so much stuff that happened in that game. I went and rewatched it since then. And it's like, it, it was just an incredible game from the standpoint of how many things happened and, and how many little things ultimately impacted the final result. And, and I mean, we, that's one of those games that like, I know the ringer does rewatchables, I feel like we could do a rewatchables on that game and talk about it for like two hours, but yeah. we're not going to do that. We're, we're going to talk about the Falcons game and, and to start, um, I wrote something for the Sacramento Bee this week and it published on Thursday. So we're recording this Thursday night and it was about Jimmy Garoppolo and little known fact, Jimmy Garoppolo leads the NFL with 18 touchdown passes since Emmanuel Sanders was acquired in that trade in late October. Um, he's third in the league over that same span with 113.6 passer rating, uh, a little bit of perspective in the seven games before that 
He had seven passing TDs, six interceptions, a 90.8 passer rating, which was 31st among qualified quarterbacks, and 20 more quarterbacks had had 20 quarterbacks had more touchdown passes than Garoppolo had. So, I'm not saying Jimmy Garoppolo is an MVP candidate, but I am saying he's been playing like one for the last, you know, seven games. And I don't know that the 49ers are necessarily going to be in position to have an MVP candidate, even though, you know, they might end up being the number one overall seed. But um, I think the numbers sort of reflect the fact that maybe it's time we start talking about Jimmy Garoppolo as an upper tier quarterback, particularly after Sunday's game, which was more or less a signature moment. He he won games against Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees. He was considerably better than Rodgers, and obviously that had a lot to do with the 49ers defense dominating that game. But he he was step-for-step step with Breeze on Sunday, and ultimately because the 49ers had the ball last, really, they ended up winning. But, I mean, it's, if Jimmy Garoppolo keeps playing at this type of level, I, I think we have to consider him, you know, a top-five, top-ten quarterback for sure, which is a far fry, far cry from where we were, we were at with Garoppolo earlier in the season when the running game was so prominent, when his numbers weren't spectacular. Um, and he was just sort of game manager plus, which we talked about a lot. Yeah, I think when you get into the Jimmy Garoppolo MVP argument, it has to be understood that the last six MVPs have been quarterbacks. And since 2000, there have been four non-quarterbacks to win MVP, and they were all running backs. The last one was Adrian Peterson in 2012. The first one was Marshall Falk in 2000. And then there was Sean Alexander and LaDainian Tomlinson in 05 and 06 or 04 and 05, one of those combinations of years. But it's a quarterback award now. And you're going to get a lot of pushback if you say Garoppolo is an MVP candidate just because he hasn't been dazzling all year. And I think the Niners defense has been so good in their running game, especially early in the year, was so dominant that people just believe that's the identity of the team and that Garoppolo is kind of managing these games. But that's not been the case over the last six or seven weeks. And when you factor in how much narratives play into MVP award voting, I think Lamar Jackson is going to win it and win it in a landslide. He's, yeah, he's absolutely. He sh- and he should. Yeah, totally but agree. But when, when you're talking about who else is in the conversation, I think Russell Wilson's there. Sean Watson's there, but then Garoppolo has to be there for me because over the last two months of the year, and like you said, if he continues uh, posting a near 115 passer rating, he's going to wind up getting a lot of votes because the Niners are going to be 14 and 2, 13 and 3, and he's going to have stats that put him in the top 5 or 10 in just about every category. And record matters when you're producing matters, because if you have a great first eight games and then tail off at the end of the year, your MVP candidacy is going to is gonna take a hit. But if you do the reverse of that, you're going to work your way into the conversation. And that's exactly what Garoppolo's done, and he's going to have done it for possibly the number one seed in the NFC. He's going to have a signature moment in that game against New Orleans. Uh, he just checks like all the boxes to be in the MVP conversation. Uh, Michael Thomas for the Saints has been great. Uh, a wide receiver is not winning the award. Uh, somebody might say George Kittle is the 49ers MVP. So how can Garoppolo be the league MVP? Tight ends never won the award. Um, Dalvin Cook for the Vikings has been terrific. But if somebody from the Vikings is winning it, it's going to be Kirk Cousins for, for all the things I said earlier. So uh, Garoppolo is not going to win it. 
He may not even be a top three candidate, but in that top five range, I, I absolutely think he's going to be in there, especially uh, if he continues producing at the level he is over the final three games and the Niners win the NFC. Yeah, so over the last five games, Garoppolo is second in the NFL, com- averaging 8.62 yards per attempt. The only guy averaging more is Ryan Tannehill, who's had an insane 11.78 uh, I haven't watched Tannehill at all. I know his numbers recently are ridiculous, which is why the Titans are, are sort of surging lately. Uh, but you look at all the other numbers, like comparing Jimmy Garoppolo to other MVP candidates over these last four games. Lamar Jackson has a better passer rating, 129.7, but Garoppolo is a couple slots behind him at 108.3. If you want to compare Garoppolo to Russell Wilson... Over these last four games, Russell Wilson's passer rating is 82.7, right? So, like, Russell Wilson yep. was far and away the leading MVP candidate during the first half of the season when the Seahawks were winning all those close games. Uh, the roster wasn't very good. The defense wasn't playing very well. And Wilson was just kind of carrying through it. Now I think you're seeing the 49ers defense take a little bit of a step back since November. And a lot of that is because they're playing better quarterbacks. They're not playing Mason Rudolph, Baker Mayfield. Uh, Andy Dalton, some of those quarterbacks that they got early in the season, Jameis Winston. Now they're playing better quarterbacks, and the numbers are are coming back to the pack a little bit defensively, but the 49ers are relying on Jimmy Garoppolo a lot more. And you look at the games that he had. He had the game-winning touchdown against Arizona in the fourth quarter. Uh, I think he's had, what, three game-winning drives so far this season? Um, yes. Yeah. Fourth quarter comebacks it. and game winning drives. He's had three. I think the leader in the league has four. I forget exactly who, who it is. Um, but you put his, nup- his numbers up there. He's he's top five or damn near in just about everything. And he's playing better now than a lot of the the guys we consider MVP candidates um, going into the final three games of the year. And I'm not saying I think Garoppolo is going to win it. I'm just saying over these past seven weeks specifically, he's been playing like an MVP candidate. Now, if he dominates against the Falcons and has another three or four touchdown game uh, and another 130 passer rating game or whatever and 300 yards, and then he does it against the Rams and the 49ers need to go to Seattle and win that game to get uh, to get uh, the division, to win the division and, and get a bye in the, in the first round of the playoffs. And Garoppolo has another great game in Seattle like he did in New Orleans in a hostile environment then I think you really have to think about it. So point being, Garoppolo isn't there yet, and the first seven games probably prevented him from being in that discussion, but he's elevating himself now to be in a position where in this last month he could enter He could enter the fray because really with Russell Wilson's numbers kind of taking a dip a little bit with Seattle losing that game Sunday against the Rams, which proved to be really important in the standings, obviously, and with Garoppolo now having beaten Aaron Rodgers, um, Andrew Brees recently potentially getting a chance to beat Russell Wilson on his home field in an incredibly high stakes week 17 game. If Garoppolo does all those things, I think he's absolutely in the discussion. And and that's the only point I'm making. Not that, not that he's there right now, but he's in position to make a run at it, which isn't something we were saying in September and October, because we were talking about Garoppolo just sort of functioning within the offense, maybe throwing too many interceptions. He threw six interceptions in his first six games. I think, over that span, he averaged one, uh, it was in my piece, it was one interception every 28 pass attempts. Now that's down to one interception every 45 um, mm-hmm. since Emmanuel Sanders has got has entered and, the lineup. So, 
And speaking think, of Emmanuel Sanders, he was directly responsible for that interception last week. So yeah, that's that's a good point. So anyway, Garoppolo is is on the fringes of MVP candidacy because of the way he's playing, and the numbers reflect that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens Sunday because the Falcons' passing defense is not particularly good, and the 49ers seem to be really clicking lately. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the Niners' defense because it, because it is banged up really banged up actually particularly in the secondary we talked about the guys who went on ir guys who are not on ir but who aren't expected to play sunday you're probably going to be without d ford because he aggravated his hamstring injury there have been reports from national outlets indicating that ford might be out multiple games uh and it could be that week 17 maybe is is when ford comes back to play the seahawks or maybe it's it's gonna be you know the playoffs for him given the severity of that hamstring injury we will have to see uh, Rick, Richard Sherman told us today he had his press conference even though he's hurt and he hasn't been practicing, which is a little unique. But um, he told us today that if if Sunday were a playoff game or if it really, really mattered, that Sherman would play. He's played through these type of grade two hamstring strains before, uh, but the 49ers are being cautious with it. They think they can win Sunday's game without Sherman. Slot cornerback Kwan Williams has not practiced through the first two sessions this week because of a concussion. He also exited the game in the fourth quarter Sunday in New Orleans, and that could be a really significant loss because on top of missing Sherman, missing Williams means Emmanuel Mosley, he's a top backup at both outside and inside corner, I, I think. Um, and that means if both of those guys are gone, we don't know where Mosley's going to play, if he would play outside or inside. I asked Robert Sala that today, and he declined to answer for competitive advantage reasons. But it could be that DJ Reed who has hardly played at all this season on defense could be in the mix at slaughter outside, or maybe the 49ers get more creative than, than we're expecting and maybe move Jimmy Ward back into the slot where he played in the preseason a little bit. Uh, or maybe he goes back to the outside corner and the 49ers go with Tarverius Moore at free safety uh, just because Moore might be, you know, one of their five best players in the secondary uh, right. and, and the team is just trying to get their five best guys on the field and in, in sub packages, obviously. So, a lot, a lot of moving parts in the secondary, and that's not even mentioning Marcel Harris, who's probably going to make his second straight start because Jaquaski Tart is dealing with rib fracture injury. So he didn't play Sunday in New Orleans. The Saints took advantage. Their first three touchdowns went to tight ends. Um, so the 49ers, it's looking like there's a real chance they're without 60% of their secondary, which could be pr pretty problematic against the NFL's third-ranked passing offense and Matt Ryan. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how they shuffle the secondary because Kyle Shanahan's always been of the mind that you don't move two players and get worse at two positions. But I think in the secondary, they have so many versatile pieces that have played different positions and, and had some success at different positions that uh, it wouldn't be the the end of the world to, like you said, maybe move Jimmy Ward to corner and put Tavarius Moore at safety or or keep Jimmy Ward at safety and put Tavarius Moore at corner. Um, the good news for the Niners is the Falcons are down wide receiver Calvin Ridley, who's their number two wide receiver. And after that, their receiving depth chart kind of falls off a cliff, especially after they traded Mohamed Sanu. So that's at least a little bit of good news for the 49ers. They still have to figure out a way to handle Julio Jones might be the most physically talented receiver in the league. Um, I, I I think the key, though, is these games are obviously important, but regardless of how Sunday goes, 
they can't do something like Rich, Richard Sherman back because they they need him for the postseason. Yeah, totally agree. That's, and one that's the one main thing. Yeah, one thing that we we should point out about the Niners' defense is um, it's predominantly zone. Like they're not gonna put you know. Akella Witherspoon isn't going to travel the field no matter what side of the formation Julio Jones lines up and, and just shadow him the entire game. That's right. not the way the defense operates. So they're just going to play their corners on either side of the field, uh, which means the Falcons will be able to basically dictate who's covering Julio Jones. So that's a fine philosophy to have when you're at full strength and you have Richard Sherman and Akella Witherspoon and Kwan Williams, who are all having really strong seasons. But when you lose two of those guys in Williams and Sherman, now you're talking about Julio Jones against maybe DJ Reed, who has hardly played at all. And and I do think DJ Reed has upside. We just haven't seen it much this year. He did start in the slot a couple games last year and played pretty well. But those were mostly meaningless games against not great quarterbacks, if memory serves. Those games came against Denver and Chicago, I believe. Um, anyway, so that'll be interesting to see because uh, if the Falcons are, are going to come in and, and keep it close with the 49ers on Sunday, they're going to have to get a huge game from Julio Jones. And I don't know, I don't know how, I, mean, I think it's impossible for them to do it otherwise. So it's, it might be there for them. Like it might be there to get Julio off just given the matchups and all the injuries the 49ers are dealing with in the secondary. Yeah, not not ideal for a game the 49ers probably want to just cruise in, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's going to be realistic given all uh given how banged up they are on the back end. And and I do think they might they might be using that one game lead they have on the Seahawks as a little bit of breathing room. Like the way Sherman said it today, he was like, "Well, we don't have to have it." And and he sort of right. said that out of turn, but I think you know, what he meant was, well, we have a one game lead on the Seahawks. So even if we do, you know, stumble on Sunday, the worst we can do is be tied with them and, and still sort of control our destiny thereafter by winning the last two games, including that game in Seattle. And I think the 49ers have a lot of confidence that they can go into Seattle and win uh, just based on how that November 11th game went, given all the, all, all the things they think might be, you know, fluky things that happen including not having George Kittle turning the ball over three times leading to 21 points I think the 49ers believe they can play a clean game in Seattle and uh and and get the result that they want so uh before we get into matchups to watch on Sunday let's take a quick break talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy unless you're reading about it uh in an advertisement on a podcast usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like I lost my mojo or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. 
GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. Okay, so we mentioned it earlier. The 49ers play center Weston Richburg on injured reserve with that torn patellar tendon in his right knee. He's done for the year, which means Ben Garland is now the new starting center, at least uh, in the meantime, until he loses a job maybe to Mike Person moving over from right guard, which could allow Daniel Brunskill to get back in the lineup. Well, we will have to see. Uh, Garland acquitted himself pretty well. I thought going back and rewatching, there was that one run uh, where the broadcast team did, did a good job pointing out how, how well he did to get downfield on the Debo Samuel reverse play. Um, and uh, and I think that was, what, a big 20 or 30-yard gain that, that set up a, a Robbie Gold field goal in the fourth quarter. But Grady Jarrett is a really good defensive tackle. And uh, so Ben Garland and the 49ers interior, they're going to have their hands full. And if there is one thing to say, to point out about the 49ers offense, we talked about Jimmy Garoppolo since acquiring, since the 49ers acquired Emmanuel Sanders, he's taken a ton of sacks. He's, uh, he's taken, I need to look, he's taking, he's taken 19 sacks in those seven games. And I think one of the things that we noted earlier in the year, the 49ers are really good at avoiding sacks in part because they were getting the ball out quickly. They, there wasn't a whole lot of drop back passing from Garoppolo coming off the knee injury. Um, so now the 49ers are doing a lot more drop back passing and the results are there, but it's also leading to more sacks. So 19 sacks in the last seven games is pretty significant. And now without your starting center, it's going to be interesting to see how it, this all shakes out because you know, if Garoppolo were to get sacked a bunch of times, it would it could make winning Sunday a whole lot more difficult because the Falcons should be able to move the ball a little bit on the 49ers defense, given how banged up it is right now. I'm wondering if just in the in the Garoppolo sack department here. Sorry, I was looking something up, but I wonder if that's just going to be one of the. Like, you know how we talked about with Garoppolo that that bad throw or the bad interception was just kind of life with Garoppolo. Mm -hmm. Like, you'll take that because you're going to have games like the one in New Orleans and you're going to have big throws like the one to Dante Pettis against the Steelers. Like, he's fearless. He's always looking to make a big play, and that's great. But that's going to lead to some bad throws, and it's going to lead to him taking sacks when he may not necessarily need to because rather than throw the ball away, he's still looking to make a play down the field. Do you think that's going to kind of continue to be a thing? Because I, I feel like the Niners will live with that if it means he's going to produce like he has over the last seven weeks. Yeah, it, it is interesting because we talked about it so much going into that Green Bay game, like how good Aaron Rodgers is at avoiding negative plays, whether they be sacks or interceptions, because he's so good at getting rid of the ball. And like, there are so many times, too, where Garoppolo should just like throw it at a receiver's feet because he's not open. You're not going to complete the pass. But if you do that, you're going to avoid a sack, avoid an interception and live to see another down, whereas sometimes he'll hold on to the ball too long. He'll take a sack or he'll throw that interception we've been talking about. I think that's probably the most glaring part of his game that he needs to improve is to be better at just throwing the ball away. And and I guess I guess the term or the way to say it is like incompleting passes with purpose. <laughs> if that makes sense incompleting like passes like stop with trying to complete everything and just take an incompletion when you have to do it. 
You know what I mean? Like strategically throw the ball away or just throw it where you're not going to be in, in any trouble or give yourself, put yourself in a position to take a negative play. I think that's where he needs to improve. And that sounds like a small thing, but it can be a big thing. Like when you get to the playoffs, avoiding negative plays is going to be really, really important. Obviously newsflash from captain obvious whoa, over here. Whoa. <laughs> but easy. Hey, easy with the takes over there. <laughs> But that's what Garopp, like it's in Garoppolo's DNA to like be Mr. Gunslinger. I gotta, I gotta make a play here. When really it's like, nah, just throw it away and and live to see another down. Right, and I think like, I think that's something the 49ers know about him. Yeah, and I think absolutely. they're just gonna kind of live with that. Okay, so the second matchup to watch in this game, Julio Jones versus 49ers secondary. Um, Julio Jones quite good at football. Uh, that is a take that I feel comfortable saying as I pull up Julio. God, Jones you were stat, just you were just page. on one tonight, man. Yeah, that's the... that's what I'm here for. Hey, man. So I'm I did like I moved. I did Thanksgiving, and then we did that three day trip, and now I'm still like trying to figure out my bearings. Like my internet, in my room has been kind of sketchy, and um, you know, we had some issues, some technical issues to getting started with this podcast. I'm all over the place, so if my takes are kind of basic. That that's the reason why Julio Jones, 69 catches. Nice. Nice. A uh, thousand sixteen yards already in, uh, in 12 games. He had, damn, he had 1600 yards, almost 1700 yards last year, averaging 105 yards a game. That's insane. Uh, averaging 84.7 yards per game, catching 63.3% of his targets. That's a little bit low. It feels like it's probably a product of, opponents just really keying on julio jones which i'm sure the 49ers are going to do but uh what what are you looking for sunday in terms of how the 49ers defend julio i think you never have fewer than two defenders around him at all times i think that's that's if they're going to beat you with their with austin hooper and um i just brilliantly closed the tab with the falcons roster on it hang on Devonte freeman yeah, Devontae Freeman. Um, yeah, I, I mean, he's not having a terrific year, but uh, Justin Hardy is is one of their receivers. Russell Gage. I I, I mean, it, it's it's a bunch of it's a bunch of players who who have not really done anything in the NFL yet. And if one of those guys is gonna is gonna beat the 49ers, I think that's something they'll live with. But if they start letting Julio Jones catch ten, eleven, or twelve balls and and start creeping up near. 150 to 200 yards they're gonna have a really serious problem but if they can limit him I, I think they they can essentially limit the Falcons offense yeah I would agree with that I don't know who really is scaring you and maybe aside well, from Austin Hooper when when you talk about we just talked about Garoppolo taking sacks Matt Ryan takes a ton of sacks that offensive line struggles I think the Saints sacked him seven times on Thanksgiving. It was something crazy like that. Nine times. And the week before that against Tampa Bay, he got sacked six times. So He's been sacked 39 times in 12 games. His net yards per attempt is 6.3, which is bad. That's really bad. Um, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's so, net yards per attempt is 7.29, which is good. That is good. <laughs> pretty, pretty good. Um, 
Yeah, I don't think it takes a whole lot of analysis there. The the Falcons aren't very good. They're they're playing a little That's bit it. better because yeah. the defense is is playing a little bit better, but the offense has mostly been a disappointment. And I mean, they're probably going to end up firing Dan Quinn and their entire staff, and probably bringing in an offensive mind. Uh, so we'll have to see how that all shakes out. I do wonder if if they did fire Dan Quinn, if they would go to some former Falcons assistant slash Kyle Shanahan assistants. And I know you know. Mike McDaniel and Mike LaFleur have not been official play callers and coordinators yet, but with the success Kyle Shanahan is having uh, and the way the league is going, if, if those guys could possibly get head coaching interviews, I'm not saying I would, I'm not, I'm expecting it or they should be, but is it is interesting because the Packers just hired Matt LaFleur, Mike's brother, after he had never, he had only been a play caller for one year. Um, so I don't know, maybe it'd be interesting. I, I, and I also wonder if Robert Sala gets a head job, if he tries to pry one of those guys away from Kyle Shanahan to be his OC. Yeah, that's, that's going to be one of, I think the most concerning things about the off season. This time last year, we were all knee deep in the draft and trying to figure out who they might take in the draft this year. I think it's more, uh, which coaches are going to get poached off this coaching staff because, uh, it's hard to believe that they're going to have all these guys going into next year. That might be a good conversation to have during, uh, if the 49ers get a buy, we could do, we could mm. do a coaching staff podcast episode, or at least a segment. Sponsored That's a good idea. Get, hey, write get that Roman. down. Com slash blue wire slash blue wire. Final matchup to watch. We're keeping it real. Real simple here. Jimmy Garoppolo versus struggling Falcons defense. The Falcons are allowing an opponent passer rating of 100.3. That's the seventh worst. Garoppolo has been at 110 or higher in six of seven games. So, I mean, the Falcons defense was pretty good the year they went to the Super Bowl in 2016. Uh, it was good enough to complement Kyle Shanahan and that ridiculously explosive offense which I think was the third highest scoring offense of the last decade but it's been sort of interesting to see from afar what's been going on with Atlanta because Dan Quinn has sort of removed himself as a primary defensive play caller and Raheem Morris has uh has taken over who's a former he's a good friend of Shanahan's actually and somebody who could could join the 49er staff if Robert Sala does end up leaving but that's a different discussion we could have um, the the Falcons allowed 345 yards to Carolina last week in their 40 to 20 victory. They limited the Saints to just 279 yards on Thanksgiving. That was a home Thursday night game. That's kind of tough to figure out. Before that, they allowed 446 yards to Tampa Bay in a 35-22 loss. Not great. Um, and then the, the, the Panthers again, 347 yards and then 310 yards of the saints for whatever reason that the Falcons can defend the saints, but not other teams. That's <laughs> interesting. Uh, but yeah, I, I just don't know that the Falcons don't have much pass rush, uh, particularly in comparison to the 49ers. Vic Beasley leads the team with six sacks. Grady Jarrett, who we mentioned, Going up against Ben Garland in the 49ers interior has five and a half. Adrian Claiborne has four. Tack McKinley, Bay Area native, uh, three and a half. Devondre Campbell is two. I just don't know. Like, it's going to take 
a aberration of a performance from them to slow down the 49ers offense this week given the way the 49ers are playing because it seems like they're in a really good rhythm right now and the Falcons might be poised to give up a big number particularly to Garoppolo. yeah and I, and I think for the Niners I, I think one of the big things on offense this week is going to be ball control like their defense is so banged up making sure they're on the field for as few plays as possible even though the Falcons aren't very good um just giving them as few of opportunities to take advantage of of a banged up 49er secondary and trying to keep the defensive line as rested as possible. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me if we see kind of the uh, early type of, of a type of what's the hang on. Here we go. An early season type of performance from the 49ers where they run it like 40 times, especially mm-hmm. since they have their whole backfield healthy and just try and keep their defense off the field for as long as possible. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, actually. And actually, oh, I you got made, one. You made Thank good you. points a lot. Thank that, you. you that's a, that is a good point. because I said actually because I hadn't really thought about it until just now. Falcons are sort of middle of the pack in terms of rushing defense. And it's been a while since, I mean, it feels like it's been forever since Tevin Coleman's had a good game. Matt Breida's back healthy. He had a few explosive runs against the Saints. Uh, Raheem Mostert is averaging over seven yards a carry and has scored four touchdowns in the last three games. So, yeah, it could be one of those games where the 49ers run it 40 times uh, for 200-something yards, and Garoppolo has one or two touchdowns, and they still, you know, rack up 30, 40 points. I do think that's a a good point, and uh, particularly about keeping the defense off the field and controlling the game, because I don't know if there's anybody on the Falcons who really can prevent the 49ers from doing that. I, I, so good unless, job by you. I, di- I didn't mean that to sound dismissive. No, I, no, it I was, know. <laughs> it, was, it was great. <laughs> Thanks, man. Like I said, uh, off my game. Hey, I'm in uh, make, sure to, make sure to credit me if you use that. Okay. That's my intellectual property. This down. property. Yep. Control. Ball control. Keep defense off field. Rushing. Yep. Attack. Okay. Yeah, two T's. Two T's in attack. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I think that's all we got. Are you, uh, what, what are you going to eat now that you've had some time to stew on this thing? Um, I don't, I, I really, I have no idea. I'm going to go see what's in my fridge. Okay. I think I have some chicken in my fridge. I'm going to eat some chicken. Chicken's good. Oh man. I, I had that phenomenal fried chicken in New Orleans. Mm, I'm sure you did. Yeah. I'm on this, I'm on this, uh, a health tip. So I'm going to go eat grilled chicken. Are you going to go breast or leg? Uh, I don't know. It's whatever. It's just like chicken breast. It's just chopped up. Okay. Yeah. A little dry, but you could probably find some sauce for it. Yeah, I got I got barbecue sauce. I'm just going right. to get some of that sauce going. sauce is all you need. Yeah. I'm a big chicken thighs guy myself. A little juicier. You know? Yeah, no, chicken thighs good. Um I prefer for grilling though. I prefer the breast just because it's it's meatier. I feel like it's more filling. Okay. Um. So that's just that's kind of the route I go. Just make sure. Uh, but you I, cook I it agree with you. It's through. just. Oh yeah, no, that's key, and that's why my chicken's always super dry. Because I'd rather eat dry chicken and kind of have to power my way through it than have to power my way through some light salmonella. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna need salmonella, a big salmon- from you. salmonella, salmonella, some light salmonella. Yeah. 
Uh, all right, we're totally off the rails, but that's all we got for uh, for this 49ers Falcons preview. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your Blue Wire podcasts. Uh, and we will talk to you guys next week with the review of what happened Sunday. And we will take a look at uh, stuff going forward. The Niners are, are kind of – I don't want to look ahead, Kyle, because it's one week at a time in the National Football League. But that Rams game around the corner after the Seahawks game on a short week, it's going to be Saturday night, is kind of shaping up to be a little bit interesting. It's going to be very interesting. No easy but, games. No weeks off. Yep. All right. Enjoy your dry chicken breasts, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.